Hey, Gary Raven. Yes, Daryl Spicer. We're going to pick up some of these listeners. We're going to go for a ride in the big old store-bought truck. They're going to hear some great music. They're going to hear some great preaching. And some great testimonies. So, folks, get on board. Let's go for a ride in this big old truck. Hey, we're proud to be a voice of the highway. I'm driving when the sun goes down The hum of 18 wheels Lord, that's a lonely sound I spend all day Chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two chrome stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have that white line fever to the day Hey, Daryl, that's uh, off of our brand new CD, Lonesome Road, Volume 2. That's Dennis McKay singing that. Dennis is a good friend of ours. Yes, he is. Well, we really appreciate him being a part of our ministry, Lonesome Road, Church on the Road. Yep. Speaking of road, maybe we can talk this driver into turning that radio on and start hitting the scan button and see if we can find a Church on the Road story. Yeah, we've got a great one on today's program by a good friend of ours by the name of Richard Koss. And the title of this is Have You Kissed a Frog Today? And that's an awesome title because it gets your undivided attention. And one thing I, I love about Richard Koss is he's a man's man. And he's been in some dark places in his life. You know, there's a lot of folks that talk about what they've done and where they've been. 
but this man right here is the real deal. He is the real deal, and he has a powerful testimony that he's going to share with our listeners today, and we appreciate all of our listeners getting in the cab with us today and riding with us for the next hour or so. we got some great music on today's program by our good friends, Jim and Ann Davenport. Yeah, Jim Davenport, he's going to share his testimony in song that he wrote out. Man, is it powerful. And Jim is just an old truck driver. Yeah, he's just like us. And, and he's been into some dark places in his life too, you see. When you get out of the dark and get into the light, and you stand there and you look back in that darkness, you don't want to go back. <laughs> and old Jim, he tells a good story in song, and Ann, she sings like an angel, man. She sings like an angel. So you're really going to enjoy today's program. Amen. So here is our good friend, Jim Davenport, with his testimony in song. I was standing in my yard one day, drinking my old bud. Had a hole in my hand, I was digging in the mud. When I saw a car coming down the street, he turned in my driveway. And when he got out, he was dressed real neat. And then I heard him say, won't you come and go with me to hear about God's word? I'm the preacher down the street, and this is what he heard. No, thank you, preacher. I'm doing just fine, drinking my old bud. And when it comes to church, I draw the line, and I kept digging in the mud. But he wouldn't give up. He kept coming day by day. Every time that he'd get out, this is what he'd say. Won't you come and go with me to hear about God's word? I'm the preacher down the street. And this is what he heard. I told you, preacher, I'm a man of my own. I don't need you coming here I'll just sit at home alone Drinking my old beer But he wouldn't give up Kept coming day by day And every time that he'd get out This is what he'd say Won't you come and go with me To hear about God's word I'm the preacher down the street this is what he heard. I can't go to church with you, but sissy, I would be. And every time my friends came by, well, they would laugh at me. The very next time that he came by, he didn't invite me to go. Instead, he said something else, and he began real slow. He said, Jim, I wonder, would it take more courage to go down to the corner and have a beer with your friend, or to stand on that very same corner and tell them about Jesus and how his love began? So you see, my friend, a sissy you won't be, 
It takes a man to serve the Lord. I hope that you will see. When he was gone and I was alone, drinking my old beer, I got to thinking about his words. They brought a little cheer. Well, I knew I was hooked on the words he said. The preacher had done his job. I went to church that Sunday morning to hear more about the man called God. I thank you, preacher, for not giving up on this old sinful man. Because you were out doing your job, I'm headed for the promised land. Won't you come and go with me? I was the drunkard down the street. But now that I know what the Lord can do, life can be so sweet. I was blind, but now I see. Here's our good friend, Richard Koss. You'll forget me in a week or two weeks. You'll, you'll not remember my name, but you'll remember the message. You'll forget the messenger, okay? But you're going to remember the message because there's people I haven't seen for 10 years, maybe 12 years, and they'll say, listen, I, I don't remember your name, but I think you came to my church one time and you preached a message on frog kissing. And they remembered my frog kissing message. And that's the message I want to share with you tonight. Have you kissed? any frogs. Are you a frog kisser? And the story goes like this, and it happens to be my life story. And so you listen close. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but you'll understand the story. Once upon a time, deep in the dark, dirty, dingy woods lived a frog. He was an ugly, green, grotesque little creature, and nobody, nobody seemed to care for him at all. But deep down inside of this frog was a handsome prince. Now you remember the story. It took a mystical, magical kiss from a beautiful princess for that frog to be pow shazam transformed into the person he was really meant to be a handsome prince but all around that frog's darkness there was light and out in that light walked people who possibly had the potential to plant that mystical magical kiss but you see they were busy folks and they didn't care for froggy people they didn't care much for people that didn't look like them act like them talk like them smell like them maybe they weren't of the same social and economic level maybe they were the wrong color I mean who wants to be seen hanging around with green dudes man you know it might rub off maybe they heard all the old wives tales you know touch a frog and get a wart and they were busy folks they were on their way to the king's house why, they had business with the king. And they usually carried their King James Bible as they went to the king's house, you see. They had business with the king Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday. Revival would come to the king's house. And again, they'd grab their King James Bible. They'd carry nothing else, you see. But they'd pass by all the froggy folks. You see, they cared about nobody but themselves. And that well-worn pathway that they walked on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and Wednesday evening in revival time turned into a rut. You know what a rut is, folks? 
That's a grave with the ends kicked out. Walking dead people passing by all the frogs in the darkness as they walked in the light on their way to the king's house. Oh, they saw them, I'll guarantee you. They heard from them. They read the newspapers. They watched the, the evening news. They knew about the froggy people in their neighborhood. They knew about the froggy people in their city. And I can imagine they said, we'll pray for you. But they never put feet to their prayers. Walking dead people on their way to the king's house. And it's happening all over America tonight. Night. And in the late afternoon and early evening hours, that frog would jump upon his log and he would cry with a froggy voice, ribbit, 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 translated into English. How about you, sir? Sir, would you love me today? Would you be my friend? I need some help, man. I'm dying in this darkness. I, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm miserable. Sir, sir, please, sir. Well, I guess not today. As the weeks passed by, that frog jumped upon his log again as he would do every day. But this time, ribbit, 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 translated into English. Hey, hey, lady, how about you? Yeah, lady, going by on the freeway, on the interstate. Yes, you. Would, would you love me today? Would you be my, you, lady, you in the red BMW. Yeah, would you love me today? Would you be my friend? I'm dying in, my, in this darkness. I, I need a friend. I need somebody to help me. I, I guess not. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. Hey, hey, you young man, yeah, teenager. Hey, hey man, I need somebody to love me, to be my friend, man. I'm a dope addict, I'm an alcoholic, my life's a mess, man. I'm going nowhere, I'm just an accident looking for a place to happen. Would you, would you help me? Well, I guess not, and the weeks turned into months, and the months to years, and the frog was getting older now, and maybe contemplating suicide. Man, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. And sometimes he'd jump off that log where, whereupon he would sit in the late afternoon and early evening hours and he would splash great big in the pond behind where he lived. And he'd create waves for all the other little creatures around, around him, making life rough for them. And then crawling back to his log, he'd have to crawl through the muck and the mire and the mud and it caked upon his life. And, and I guess the folks out in the light, they didn't want to contaminate their lily white hands. They didn't want to mess up their manicured nails possibly. Who wants to, to come in contact with that kind of muck and mire and mud? Why, we're on our way to the king's house. We don't want to go to the king's house all dirty. Well, one day, somebody not stuck in a rut, somebody who belonged to the king, the king's own daughter, the princess, walked out of the king's house. The daughter of the king, the daughter of the king, came out of the king's house, walking on high ground. You see, the Bible tells us that God's children, the king's children, walk on high ground. We walk in the heavenlies with Jesus. And as she came out of the king's house, she wasn't stuck in a rut. She was walking on high ground. And as she walked on high ground, she would look, she would listen, she'd be very observant thinking to herself, I'm the daughter of the king. I wonder who I could bless today. I wonder who I might help today. I wonder if there's somebody in need today that maybe I could buy some groceries for. I wonder if there's someone today that needs some, some clothing to go to, to go to school in. I wonder if there's someone maybe that, that, that has a job but doesn't have any gas for their car. Father, you're the king. You're my daddy. You lead me. You guide me today. And sure enough, as she was walking on high ground, the old frog crawled on top of his log. His voice a little weaker now. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. Translated into English, lady, lady, 
you out there in the lights, walking on high ground, would you love me today? I need a friend. I've been down here so many years now and just living in the muck and the mire and the mud and the swamp with all my froggy friends. And I just, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last. Would you love me? Would you be my friend? She translated that ribbit, ribbit, ribbit into English. She heard that, that plea for help, that cry of distress. distress and she said, yes. Yes, I'll be your friend. I'll love you today. And she began her journey into the darkness where no light ever shined. But she went unafraid. She knew that all the darkness in the world couldn't put out the light of one candle. And she, her daddy was the king. He'd take care of her. He'd protect her. And she knew that that beautiful gown that only a princess would wear, very expensive, I mean, tailored to fit. She knew that along the way on the journey, she'd get it tattered and torn and ripped apart on the bramble bushes and the stumps. But what's a material possession? What's a beautiful, expensive dress? What's a jacket, okay? Well, what, what, what's clothing when someone's life is at stake? So what? You get it dirty with the muck and the mire and the mud of someone's life or lifestyle, my friend, or environment. And she made her way to the foot of that log and sure enough, she ripped her dress. It got tattered and torn. It got a little muddy, okay? But her daddy was the king. He'd buy her another, especially when she was looking after the needs of others. And she knelt down in the muck and the mire and the mud and she scooped up that ugly, green, grotesque little creature. Remember, he didn't look like her, act like her, talk like her. Wasn't at the same social and economic level, you see? And wasn't even maybe the same color, green. But she scooped him up and raised him to her lips and kissed him and pow, shazam! That frog was transformed into a handsome prince and they lived happily ever after. Now you've heard that story before. I paraphrased it a little bit, you know that, but you get the, you get the gist of it today. You've heard that story as a nursery rhyme, a fairy tale, a bedtime story. Maybe you've tucked your parents into bed with that story in the last night or two, or maybe they've tucked you into bed with that story uh, the last night or two. But folks, what you've just heard, paraphrased a little bit, granted, paraphrase, but what you've just heard is not a fairy tale. It's not a bedtime story. It's not a nursery rhyme. You see, it's a very true story and it's being replayed a hundred thousand times over every moment in America alone. Because you see, I was that frog. And I lived deep in the dark, dirty, dingy woods of Minneapolis, Minnesota for many, many, many years. And I lived in the swampy area, man. I lived where no one else came. I lived in the, in the poverty-stricken area where everybody was on welfare, okay? I lived in a neighborhood where there was beatings and, and robberies and murders and rapes every night. We were froggy folks, and most of us frogs had, had froggy, alcoholic mom and dads, okay? And all around our darkness, there was light. But the people out in the light never touched us, man. They never came into our dark, dirty, dingy neighborhoods. Maybe they were afraid of us. I don't know what their problem was, but I'd see them quite often. Again, they'd have their King James Bible, and they'd be on their way to the king's house because there was a lot of them around where we lived. There was a lot of churches. We lived in a very churchy neighborhood. But no one ever came into our darkness to reach us with the kiss of Christ. Because you see, deep down inside of me, deep down inside of my mama, deep down inside of my daddy, deep down inside of every frog, for sermon's sake, this evening, every lost person who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, God says He has dealt to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every teenager a measure of faith. And it takes the kiss of Christ for us to take that measure of faith, you see, and put it into Jesus. 
When we hear about Jesus, who wants to be our Savior, who died for our sins, we take that measure of faith and we put it into Jesus and we claim Christ is our Savior and Christ occupies our lives and we become Christians. But I don't ever remember anybody ever coming offering us the kiss of Christ. And I was a very froggy person. And I would jump upon my log and I would cry out in my froggy voice, ribbit, ribbit, ribbit with profanity and vain language and made life rough for other people as I would jump off my log. And behind where I lived, behind that log, there was a pond too, but it was a cesspool of sin, man. And I swam in it every day. And my life just got muckier and muckier and muckier every day. And I mean the muck and the mire and the mud caked upon my life and nobody wanted to come in touch and with me. Nobody wanted to contaminate themselves with me because I was bad news, okay? I went to jail when I was nine years old, the juvenile center. I went to back to the juvenile center when I was 10 years old. When I was 11 years old, I was in a classroom situation and a kid picked up a chair and threw it at me and I pulled my knife out and stuck it in his neck. He went to the hospital and I went to the state mental institution for diagnostic evaluation. After six weeks in the state mental institution, they sent me to the state reformatory. For two years, for two years. Let me tell you my experience in the state reformatory. My first couple of days, I made a friend. I had a buddy. Another 12-year-old kid was my buddy in the state reformatory. And one morning I woke up and I shook him. But immediately when I shook him when I, and I drew my hand back, my hand had blood on it. He had committed suicide that night. My 12-year-old friend in the state reformatory killed himself, cut himself in the arms and the legs with a razor blade and went to sleep and bled to death. And I cried. I was 12 years old and I cried. Man, it bothered me. I didn't understand it. I'd never been around suicide. I'd never read about suicide. And my 12-year-old friend killed himself. I never cried again. I never cried again until I was 25 years old. I got hard and I got cold. I've had my jaw broke, teeth knocked out, my nose broke. The top of my head is like a road map, man, where, where policemen have beat me with their billy clubs and pistols. And it wasn't police brutality. It wasn't, it wasn't like the Rodney King situation. I started it. I'd punch the first cop that came into, into my life to arrest me. I'd try and whip two, three, four, five policemen. Folks, that is not a good idea, okay? They usually win, all right? But I'd try. And they, they'd beat on me and they'd lock me in their car and they couldn't make me cry. And I'd be bleeding from my eyes and my lips and my head and I'd have a broken nose or a broken jaw or broken knuckles or kicked in ribs and I'd cuss at them all the way down to the police station. I don't ever remember one policeman and folks, I've been arrested 32 times with 28 uh, 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 convictions. I don't ever remember one policeman ever turning around to me in a squad car and looking me in the eye in the back seat and say, hey, buddy, calm down, man. You do have some friends. God loves you. I love you. I'm a Christian police officer, and I want you to know Jesus can change your life. I've never had that happen to me. Now, I have friends today who are Christian police officers who do witness for Christ. I have several. Matter of fact, my own son uh, works in a juvenile center today and he has opportunities to witness for Christ. But I have friends who are FBI agents and police officers today who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who witness to those people about Jesus because they know Jesus is the only form of rehabilitation in the world. There's no rehabilitation, folks, without redemption. There's no reform without rebirth. Our, our prison systems are failing today miserably and filling up and overcrowded and understaffed 
and time bomb situations, but nobody ever witnessed to me. I don't ever remember one parole officer, one probation officer telling me about Jesus. We have a lot of educated people in the world today, and I met them, the psychiatrists, the psychologists, the sociologists, the criminologists, and they ran batteries of tests on me most of my life and evaluated my situation. Not one of those educated people ever said, hey, Rich. Hey, buddy, I love you, man. I care about you. And Jesus loves you. And he died for your sin. And he rose from the dead to live in your heart. Would you accept Jesus today? I don't ever remember one of them, folks, ever talking to me about Jesus. This is the educated uh, group of people who live in our society today. God speaks about them. God tells us about them. In the book of Romans, we read that there are a group of people in the world today. Listen. They're educated, they're smart, they're super intelligent. I mean, they're chemists, they're, they're psychologists, they're psychiatrists. God tells us about them. Look with me in your Bibles this evening in Romans 1.22, because I want you to believe me. I don't want you to think this is just something I'm spouting off. Listen to Romans 1.22. Professing themselves wise, professing themselves wise, they became fools. My friend, I'm not against education. I'm not against you getting your high school degree and going on to college and getting an education. But a head full of knowledge, my friend, will send you straight to hell unless your heart is full of Jesus. You take a head full of knowledge and a heart full of Jesus, then you've got a whole and complete person. But if you've got a person out there with just a head full of knowledge, you have a very dangerous person, probably the most dangerous person on the face of the earth. And Romans 1.22 says, professing themselves wise, they became fools. The Bible also tells us that in the end times, in the end times, and we're living in those days today, that knowledge will be increased. Knowledge will be greatly increased. 100 years ago, the fastest transportation across planet Earth was a fast horse. This week, our van has been in the shop getting a brake job, and I got to drive a red BMW. Man, I wound that dude out. I mean, that thing would do about 121 miles an hour in third gear. I'm lying. <laughs> it only do 115. But man, I'll tell you what, that thing was fun to drive. You know, a hundred years ago, you just loped along on a horse, man. That was the fastest form of transportation. But because of education, but because of men becoming wiser and more educated, now we send them to the moon on a monthly basis. They circle planet Earth, man, every week practically. But the Bible also says they're ever learning, ever learning, ever learning and never being able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you want to know what kind of society we're living in today? Listen to me and listen very close right now. We've got groups of people all over the world, but especially right here in America. Save the spotted owl. Save the manatees. Save the whales. Save the trees. Save Mother Earth. But kill the babies. It's hypocrisy, my friend. They're not consistent. Save everything. Save everything but the little unborn babies. Kill them. That's the society we're living in today. And I grew up with them, and they never told me about Jesus, my friend. And I would crawl upon my log, ribbit, 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 in my dark, dirty, dingy neighborhood, along with my mom and dad. My mom and dad were alcoholics, and my dad died an alcoholic, and I was drunk with him when he died. There were no Christians in our family. Since I have become a Christian, I've checked out our family trees as far back as, as I can possibly go. 
And I can go back 200 years almost on both sides, and I could not find one person on my mother's side or my dad's side that I know of that was a born-again believer, washed in the blood of the Lamb, a Christian, a frog kisser. Everybody in our family seemed to be frogs. But God spoke something else in 2 Timothy 3, 5. He said there's a group of people who have a form of godliness. There's a group of people who have a form of godliness. You see, they're the ones who are on their way to the king's house. They have their King James Bible. And man, they walk that pathway all faithfully every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening. Wednesday evening, I mean revival time. They have a form of godliness. I mean, they dress right, smell right, look, look right. Oh, they say, you know, theological things to the pastor. And, and you know, they're, they, they have the right smile. They know when to say amen and, and, and praise the Lord. But God says they have a form of godliness, but deny God's power. Cannot, de de totally deny God's power. Listen, folks, I came from a religious family. Everybody in our family were church members, but alcoholics. Everybody in our family had belonged to one denomination or another, but no Christians, no born-again believers, no Christians, nobody really in love with Jesus. And I grew up in a neighborhood in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where there, was a, there were churches on every street corner, every street corner. Right across the street from my house was a church. Right across the street, about uh, on the other corner, about uh, a block away, there was another church. And you went two blocks away, there was another church. I'm talking about Catholics and Methodists and Lutherans and Assembly of God and Salvation Army. But listen to this. One block from my house. One block from my house was a Baptist church. Where were the frog kissers? We lived in that tenement house where the welfare paid the rent. The house my dad uh, died in. He died in the hospital, but that's where he fell over at. That's where he grabbed his head with an aneurysm as an alcoholic and hit the floor. He later died in the hospital. He never regained consciousness. But not one person from any one of those churches ever came and knocked on our door and expressed their sympathies or offered any help. Not one church member. I guess they were people who had a form of godliness, but denied the power of God. God says, stay away from those kind of people. They're religiously minded, but they have no relationship with Jesus. They're troublemakers in your church is what they are. And they, they're not for progress, my friend. They don't want to see people get saved because it puts them on the spot. And you'll very seldom ever hear them talk about Jesus. They'll talk about God and religion, and the church, and the choir, but you won't hear them talk about their, their mighty Savior, Jesus, will you, Pastor? They won't talk much about Jesus, you see. Religious people having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. We lived in that house for seven and a half years. When I wasn't in jail, that's where I lived, and we never heard this. Hello, frog family. We're from the Methodist church, and we're just out kissing frogs. Do y'all know Jesus as your Savior? They never came, never came. Hello, Frog family. Listen, we're from the Catholic Church and we're having a Bible distribution campaign. We're giving away free Bibles to everybody who lives in our neighborhood. No strings attached, but we love you and we want to be your servants for Christ's sake. If there's anything we can ever do to help you, just call upon us. And by the way, we were Catholics. <laughs> they never came. 
Hello, Frog family. We're from the Assembly of God Church, and we're having a revival this week, and we're out inviting everybody in our neighborhood to the revival, and we're having a pizza blast for all the teenagers. I just said, Mama, Mama, can I go? Hey, Mom, can I go? Pizza blast, free pizza blast. I mean, you say, how do you know you'd have went? I went for everything else. <laughs> man, I went for alcohol, dope, wild women, tame women. I went for everything, man. You know, I went for money. I went for other people's cars. I'd have went for Jesus, man. If somebody would have told me about Jesus, I'd have went for him. I really believe that with all my heart. Man, I was dying in my darkness to be loved. I was dying to be loved, but where were the frog kissers? Hello, frog family. We're from the Baptist church right down the street. We love you. We care about you. We don't have any record of your attendance at our church. And we just want you to know, since you live in the very shadow of our church, so close, do you have any needs we could possibly meet spiritually or physically or otherwise? We love you. We want to be your servants for Christ's sake. We have Sunday morning services, Sunday evening services. We'd love to have you come and be our guest. They never came. I remember my daddy's funeral. Frog family. Mrs. Frog, we heard Mr. Frog died, and we're from the Baptist Church, and we brought some food. We, we know you're going to need some food, and, and we brought some, uh, some cards of sympathy, and our church members have signed the card, and inside you'll find some checks that may help you out, and, and a little cash during this time of, of loss and might help you through. And we just want you to know, we, we know y'all aren't members of our church, but we love you, and we care about you, and, and we just want to help you. They never came. Do you know who came? My mom and dad's alcoholic friends came. My mom and dad's drinking buddies came. Our alcoholic family came. And many of them brought food. They brought cards. They brought money. They brought checks. And they even brought their prayers. They said, we'll be praying for you. Now, I sometimes wonder whose prayers got the highest, huh? Those people who had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof or a bunch of those old drunks that hung around my mom and dad's place and my mom and dad hung around their place. I wonder who really meant it. I got a feeling the drunks did. We'll be praying for you. It's a shame. You know why I like to go to jails? Do you know why I'd rather be in a jail preaching today? Do you know why I'd rather be in a penitentiary preaching today? You don't have to convince those people they're sinners. They already know it. Man, you come to Calvary Baptist Church and man, you got to work hard all week to convince some of you you're a sinner. Don't you call me a sinner. I'll cuss you out. <laughs> I'll bring tomatoes tomorrow night and throw them at you. Don't you call me a sinner. Well, I'm not calling you a sinner. God is. He said all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way. The Bible says only sinners can go to heaven, my friend. Only lost sinners can go to heaven. Jesus didn't die for the well. He said the well don't need a physician, the sick do. And as a lost sinner, you realize you need Jesus as your Savior. And you've miserably failed God in your life. And you say, God, forgive me. And I accept Jesus as my Savior. And then Jesus' righteousness pleases God in your stead, my friend. But I never heard the message. Nobody ever gave me a gospel tract. Tim just ordered a case of gospel tracts. We don't go anywhere without gospel tracts. Listen, you might say today, Richard, I'd like to be a frog kisser. I really would. You know, there's only two kinds of people in the world today, frogs and frog kissers. 
the saved and the lost. Frogs and frog kissers for sermon's sake this evening. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 19, follow me and I'll make you what? Kissers of frogs, didn't he? That's the Richard Cost Bible that I just printed, okay? That's the paraphrased edition that I'm using tonight. What did Jesus say in John 4, 35? He said, lift up your eyes and look around you. The fields are what? Green with frogs. And in another place, he said, the frog kissers are few. We don't have many frog kissers. We don't have many Sunday school teachers that want to get involved today. We don't have many deacons that want to go knocking on doors saying, we love you and we care for you. Can we help you? We're your servants for Christ's sake. There's not many born again church members today that really want to put their life on the line because they've counted the cost and God says count the cost and some of you have done just that and you said it's going to cost me too much it's going to cost me too much money too much of my time I've got other things I'd rather be doing I don't go anywhere without gospel tracks. You say, Richard, I, I, can't, I can't speak uh, out, out in public or I can't sing like Tim or I can't preach and teach and do the things that Brother Mike does. I, I don't have those gifts for Sunday school. I, I really don't know how to be a frog kisser. I'm not really, you know, I don't know how to confront people. I am a Christian and I really would like to be a better witness, but, but, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit shy. You know how I started out when I gave my life to Jesus in the penitentiary? Just with gospel tracks. But nobody ever gave me a gospel track. In, in 25 years of my life, not one person ever came up to me and said, young man, young man, come here. Let me give you a little, uh, a little tiny Bible here that tells about Jesus, my Savior, and, and He wants to come into your heart. Do you know Him as your Savior? And you don't even have to say that. All you got to do is pick you a, a pretty busy place by Walmart or a grocery store or a street corner and get a handful of gospel tracks and grunt. Uh. Uh. You don't have to say anything. I heard the story about a man who could not hear and could not speak. Everybody thought he was totally retarded. He walked around the streets of a large city picking up scraps of food. Everybody thought he was totally, you know, nutso, man. I mean, a, a screwball and, and deaf and dumb and nobody wanted anything to do with him. But he started going to a church. And he didn't understand a whole lot at first, but he kept observing and someone got a hold of him and started teaching him a little sign language and, and was teaching him to read a little bit and, and to understand some drawings. And he began to understand about Jesus. And this man gave his heart and life to Jesus. And when he did, he was in his 60s. And he got so excited when he accepted Jesus as his Savior. He went to the pastor of this huge church and, and, and he conveyed to the pastor that he wanted a job to do. He couldn't talk, but he, 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 he made the motions and drew the pictures that he needed a job. So the pastor handed him a broom and he got excited and he kept the church spotless. But that wasn't enough. He wanted something else to do, but the, the pastor just didn't understand. But he wanted to win souls. He wanted to be a frog kisser. So you know what he did? He went out in the back alley and he found two pieces of wood and he tied them together and he made a cross and he stood on the street corners. And as the cars went by, he'd hold up the cross, a deaf and dumb man, a mute man, and he'd hold up the cross. He'd hold up the cross of Jesus. And as people would pass by in their cars and their horses and their buggies so many years ago when this took place, he'd hold up the cross and he'd go, uh, 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 and he'd point like that and he'd grunt and he'd point to the cross, uh, 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 uh. In other words, Jesus lives in my heart. And my friend, if he can do that, you can be a frog kisser. But I never met any frog kissers until I made my third trip to the penitentiary. March 16th, 1969, I was eating breakfast 
in the prison chow hall. I'd been through two prison riots. I've been involved. I've seen, I've had friends of mine murder people right in front of my eyes. I knew what was going on in the penitentiary and was a part of a lot of it. And one day in that condition, the FBI said I was dangerous and corrigible not to be rehabilitated. And I didn't care. I was cold and hard. Remember, I hadn't cried since I was 12 years old. March 16th, 1969, about 40 frog kissers came to our penitentiary. And they were businessmen. Not a one of them was a pastor. There were a lot of deacons. There were some elders. There was a Catholic layman. There was a Lutheran layman. But most of them were Baptist, uh, Methodist, Assembly of God. And these businessmen converged on our penitentiary. And they didn't tell us that day about their great denominations. They didn't tell us about their great Assembly of God denomination, their great Mennonite denomination, their Methodist denomination, their Southern Baptist denomination. They told us about their Jesus. And two men came to my table, a white frog kisser and a black frog kisser, came to my table, a white man and a black man. Both of them happened to be deacons in their churches. And they came to my table and they said, sir, I hadn't been called sir in a long time. My name in prison was 33476. And they came to my table and said, sir, may we join you for breakfast? I said, ribbit, 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 ribbit. Yeah, man, sit down. Who are you guys? They said, we're Christians. That did not mean a thing to me. It meant nothing to me. I did not know what a Christian was. I don't ever remember meeting one. Now, folks, listen to me. Why do I preach like I preach? Some of you think, well, Richard, you, you preach pretty hard. You preach pretty loud. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Some of you are too silent. You're so silent, people stumble over you falling headlong into hell. And you say not a word. That's why I preach sometimes like I preach. Listen, March 16th, 1969, Two men witnessed to me about Jesus. And I gave my heart and life to Jesus. I have not been witnessed to since. And I go a lot of places and I do the same things. A lot of you, man, I go camping, fishing. I'm a bow hunter and I do this and that. And I've never had anybody come up to me and say, excuse me, sir, but are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus as your savior? I've been witnessed to once in my life. And that was the day I gave my heart to Jesus. Where's the frog kissers? Where are the people who really care that call themselves born-again Christians? Are they really born-again Christians? Are they those folks in, in, in Timothy where God says they have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof? I've made God a promise. And I really have. I've made God a promise years ago. I said, God, the first person that legitimately comes up to me and, and says, Sir, excuse me, but uh, do you know Jesus as your Savior? I've made God a promise. I'm going to jump up and hug him and kiss him. And I hope it's a woman <laughs> or somebody in that place, whether it's a gas station or restaurant, going to think we're pretty weird dudes, man. Okay. All right. Those two men came to my breakfast table and sat down and began to witness to me. And I said, hey, fellas, I'm the scum of the earth, man. I'm society's outcast. I'm here to protect people like you. And they said, Richard, we love you and we care about you. Two frog kissers told me they loved me. And that got to me. Now listen, folks, you know what you and I have to do? The same thing those two frog kissers did. They looked beyond my faults and saw my need. Do you know what some of you do? You love to pick people apart. Man, something goes haywire in your neighborhood. Man, somebody gets a divorce. Man, some, somebody's child gets on drugs and gets busted. Man, all you do, you're fault finders. I mean, all you do is pick them apart, man. Pick, 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 pick. Man, you just, you find all their faults and just rip them apart. Jesus, look beyond your faults 
and saw your need, why don't you do it for somebody else, man? I'd rather you be nose pickers than fault pickers. That'd be a better deal. More people get saved. More people get to know Jesus, huh, Rick? Amen. See Rick back here laughing, shaking his head. That's right, man. Yeah. They did not slam dunk me. They said, Richard, we love you and we care about you. And our Jesus loves you. I said, if this is true, I'll go to the chapel for your one day revival you're having today and listen to what you've got to say. And that day I heard about Jesus. Okay. And that afternoon, one of those old frog kissers said, Richard, are you a Christian? I said, ribbit, 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 ribbit. No, sir, I don't think so. And he said, would you like to be? And I started crying. Hadn't cried in 13 years. God broke my heart. You see, God was dealing with me on the inside. And big old alligator tears began to run down my face. And I realized how miserably I'd failed God. And I said, oh, God. I'm sorry. You see, that man planted the kiss of Christ on me. And that day he invited me to know Jesus as my Savior. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And pow, shazam, as the kiss of Christ was planted on me, I became a Christian. You see, that measure of faith came out and I became the person God wanted me to be, his child, a child of the King. And I was born again that day, March 16th, 1969, in a federal penitentiary. And guess what I became? I became a frog kisser, folks. And folks are everywhere. Man, I was in a prison with 1,100 other frogs. I had a captive audience, man. They couldn't get away from me. And I, began, I was so excited, man. I began sharing Jesus with all my weightlifting friends, all my baseball playing buddies. I just began sharing Jesus. And after a while, some of them started coming to Jesus because I didn't have jailhouse religion. You know, a lot of church members always ask me, you know, on these very theological, you know, religious tones of voices. Well, now, Brother Richard, when you go to prison and preach, uh, are those decisions those men make and those women make in prison, uh, do, you, do you think they're really real? They're just as real as the ones made in churches. Some of you are fakes and phonies, and some of you are born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb believers. Some of you have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, and others of you are saved, saved, saved. Amen? Praise God. That wasn't a very loud Amen. <laughs> All right, Gary, you ready? Yeah. Amen, preacher. Amen. All right. <laughs> people are people, and God is no respecter of persons, my friend. And my life changed in the penitentiary. God called me to preach in the penitentiary. Before I got out, he called me to preach, and I started preaching. The chaplain made me his assistant, and I began preaching in our federal prison. I began teaching a Sunday school as a convict. Two years later, I was released from prison. Before I was released from prison, I knew what God wanted me to do with the rest of my life. God had already called me to go into the jails and the prisons. November 12th, 1970, at 8.05 in the morning, I walked out of that prison, but not for the last time. Less than one month later, I was back with a youth group singing and preaching in the very prison I'd just spent two prison terms in. And I've been going to prisons and jails as an evangelist. That's the heartbeat of my ministry today that God has given me, all right? And I'm a frog kisser. I, listen now, listen. Listen, ribbit, 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 ribbit. You hear them? Some of you ladies are married to them. Keep praying for them. Keep loving them. They'll get saved one of these days. Listen now, 
Ribbit, 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 ribbit. Some of you young people, your, your parents are still frogs. Keep, keep loving them. Keep praying for them. Witness to them when God tells you to. They'll get saved. Just pray for them. Trust God for them. Listen now. Ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. The guy at the gas station, he may be a frog. Man, when you go to the grocery store, that lady that's sacking your groceries, she's either a frog or a frog kisser. How about the waitress at the cafe? Boy, I tell you what, I, I get so bent out sometimes that Christians, when they go into restaurants and they run the waitress ragged, more tea, more water, I drop my fork, get me another fork. Well, my potatoes are cold, will you heat them up for me? Well, I need more coffee. And the waitress is going, and then they, then they get up and they get their little coin purses out and leave a quarter for a tip. Ooh, that burns me, man, that burns me. You see, those people don't know their Bible. Do you know what God says in the Old Testament? When you give to the poor, you lend to God. Try that verse on for size. Study that verse for a while. Think of the depth of that verse. When you give to the poor, you lend to God. Why are waitresses waitresses? Most of them, their sorry old husbands have run off somewhere, left, them with a, left these wives with a couple of kids, and the only job they can get with instant money is working in a restaurant and getting their nightly tips and their daily tips, and that's what they feed their children on. That's probably 80% of the story of waitresses. I like to leave when I've got the bucks. I like to leave a big tip. Man, if I, if I order a $3 hamburger, sometimes I'll leave a $4 tip, but I'll put a track in the middle of it. Honey, let me leave you a tip. Here's the financial tip, but here's the greatest tip of all. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? You can be a witness. You can be a frog kisser just using gospel tracks. I use them everywhere I go, folks. Listen, these little Bible tracks from Sowers of Seed, they are so neat. You go into truck stops and, 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 and gas stations all around the country in almost every bathroom today. You go in, I don't know what's in women's bathrooms, but I do know what's in men's bathrooms, okay? You go into men's bathrooms and there's a bunch of machines on the wall. These dudes fit perfectly in those slots. They do. They fit perfect, man. They go right in there. That ruined somebody's party, huh, preacher? But they might get saved, amen? When you pay your house, you make a house payment. Just don't put a check in there. Put a gospel track in there. When you pay your telephone bill, you don't know who's opening that, that, that mail at the telephone company and, and getting your check out and find a gospel track. I've gotten letters from people who have said, thank you. I read your gospel track and gave my life to Jesus. I remember one time sharing with a waitress in a, in a restaurant and she didn't accept Jesus, but I left her a gospel track and I wrote my name and phone number on the back and I said, honey, if you ever give your life to Jesus, just let my wife and I know. Two weeks later, the phone rang. She said, I don't know if you'll remember me or not, but, but you and your wife were in Jacksonville, Florida a couple weeks ago and I was your waitress in a seafood restaurant and you told, I said, yeah, I remember you. She said, I got saved yesterday at church. Folks, that makes it all worth it. Amen. Another soul for Jesus. You see, if that would have been your daughter, you'd have given everything you had to see her saved. That's right. Amen. That's right. Are you a frog kisser? At the darkest of days, I was lost without hope. Just an old sinner thief at the end of my rope. 
In my mind was a scripture many times I had scorned While down the road they led Jesus, they claimed virgin born That day I met Jesus hanging there on a tree I heard as he spoke and he beckoned to me I left a lifetime of misery hanging there, don't you see? That day I met Jesus, that day he saved me. There was nothing to do that would alter my past. That's when I knew that this day was my last. They nailed this man Jesus on a cross next to me. There I opened my heart. find out right now if there's drivers out there that would like to ask Jesus to come into their heart and they can become a frog kisser just like Richard calls. And it's that easy. Daryl, if, if a driver was to call right now and ask you, what must I do to be saved? What would you do? Well, I'd ask him if he believes in Jesus Christ and I'd ask him if he knows that he's a sinner. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all know that. Oh, yeah. I do the short straw on that one. Yeah, amen. And if that driver did, I would ask that driver, are you ready to turn away from the ways of the world that's got you down and beat up? Yeah. And turn away from your sin and follow Jesus and understand the joy that comes with that, how the burdens are lifted off your shoulder. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to be a child of God. Accept me in to the fold and ask him to forgive you, to accept you, and just ask him to be the Lord of your life and turn everything over to him and ask him to save your soul and your spirit. And he'll do that, driver. This is not a hard. A matter of fact, it's the easiest thing I ever did when I hit that altar and I said, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And all I could say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you know, he done paid the price. I didn't have to be sorry anymore. So he has already paid the price for you. There's nothing else you have to do but serve him. And we here at Channel 21 Ministries and Lonesome Road Ministries, we're here to help you. So give us a call at 615-663-3199. Or you can call me, Chaplain Gary Rayburn, at 618-383-2107. As you listen to this great song by our good friend, Ann Webb Davenport. 
Someday we'll stand before the King of Kings And the sheep he will place on his right hand Come ye blessed of the Father You shall inherit the kingdom prepared for you Long before the world began I was hungry, you fed me I was naked, you clothed me I was in prison and you ministered unto me Poured on the oil when I was hurting I was sick, you came to see me When you ministered unto the least of Live life so selfishly, and these he will place on his left hand. Ye cursed, depart from me in my need. You wouldn't help me. Now you will never inherit the glory land. I was in prison, you wouldn't minister unto me. Wouldn't pour the oil when I was hurting in my knee. You wouldn't help me when you ministered not unto the least of these. Appreciate you tuning in today. If this message blessed you, please give us a call at 618-383-2107 or log on to our website, lonesomeroad.org. We have free CDs that we'd love to send to you to help you witness 
to your family, friends, and neighbors. You can also request a copy of this message today. So, yeah, just give us a call. We'd love to send you some of our previous messages that you might have heard. And remember this, friends. Jesus loves you. And and we we do, do too. too. This is Chaplain Gary Rayburn. And Chaplain Darrell Spicer. And we'll talk at you later. been driving all night, got 400 miles to go. Got the pedal to the metal and Vince Gill on the radio. I just went through Texarkana heading down to San Antonio. But that's the life of a trucker driving his lonesome road. Well, my backside's sore and this old truck is sure is slow. I can hear temptation calling on the CB radio. She promised me good loving and she'll surely get me stoned. Well, that's the life of a trucker driving is a lonesome road. I said, drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna ruin your life Can't be the money that keeps me on the run I is that wide line fever that keeps me on the road Well I could probably get lucky down around San Antonio Dead long star, honey, that would like to call this rigor on. Ah, but you know that kind of loving, it will only wreck your home. It's the life of a trucker driving as a lonesome road. Yeah, I said, drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise, and she's gonna ruin your life. Well, it can't be the money that keeps me on the run. It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road. Yeah, I said drive, trucker, drive. You better run for your life. She's a devil in disguise and she's gonna run your life. Can't be the money that keeps me on the run. It's that white line fever that keeps me on the road. boy. Hey, Breaker 1-9. How's that looking over your shoulder there, buddy? Come on back. Anybody got your ears on out there? Man, it's lonesome tonight.